Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier. Stephen Chicken here, joined down the line by David Hartrick. Dave, would you rather spend five days in bed with a stomach bug or go to Harry Potter world again? (laughs) (laughs) That's you wouldn't believe how close that is, if I'm brutally honest. No, I'm sure if Harry Potter is your thing, it's wonderful. But Harry Potter is not my thing. So I was incredibly bored (laughs) throughout. Oh, look, there's Uh, something you've never seen before that you're actually seeing in the flesh. (laughs) Great. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure this has some significance of some kind uh, Yeah, so we both actually missed the game, unusually But uh, I watched it live on TV, you, you've caught up on it since then Dave. Yes, I, 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 we stayed in a Premier Inn, which is quite close to Harry Potter That's basically just a Premier Inn and a pub That lives to serve people who are going to Harry Potter world And um, the Wi-Fi was so bad that I I literally gave up about 25 minutes in. I thought this I'm I'm getting absolutely nothing from this. So, I have watched it back since and it's quite I I mean we were joking about it off air. We're on air now, so we may as well say it. It's quite a difficult game to analyze because I just there's not an awful lot to say about it. It was almost completely perfunctory, wasn't it really? Yeah. I'm going to give up on this because I'm getting nothing out of it is also what I thought watching the second half to be honest. <laughs> but no, I mean it was the the early goal obviously Jordan Rhodes gets the goal early on another set piece. So Silver Thomas ruled out of this game. We're still waiting to get an exact time on when he's he's going to be back which by the time you hear this you might even know but yeah he's uh he, he obviously missed the game but Danal Sonani can still offer that threat from set pieces. I thought the James Linnington has had some poor games covering town um, this season and and over the years, but I was really impressed with his officiating on that goal, actually, because I was absolutely convinced watching the replays that came off Tom Lees. There's no way that didn't come off Mm. Tom Lees. He's offside. And then you see that final angle on Sky, and it absolutely didn't come off Tom Lees. It came off the bouncing man. It wasn't offside. The linesman had flagged it, and he he gave it as the goal quite rightly. Um, So, you know, we always... Try not to criticise the referees, um, but sometimes have to. And I think this is an occasion where you have to, to praise the referee, to be fair. But another goal for Jordan Rhodes. Uh, it's a nice little run of form he's in at the moment here, Dave. Yeah, um, I, I, we gave him a lot of praise after the Borough game for his all-round game. I think here he just did the one thing he was supposed to do, which was just stick the ball in the back of the net. I don't think he did an awful lot else in the game, really, but... That's kind of Jordan Rhodes' game. That was kind of Jordan Rhodes' game when he was actually at his very best too. So being a little, you know, being a poacher, being a sniffer, the one thing you have to do is give them chances and, you know, he, he they gave him a chance and he took it. And I don't know, it was it's difficult to talk about because that goal immediately took the sting out of the game. It, it, yeah. it always looked like... 
but Barnsley just aren't very good, are they? I mean, we're not no, a Barnsley podcast, it. but they, they, it's a little bit like the podcast on the Peterborough game we did, where you go, all right, yeah, Town won, but they just look a League One, and not even a not even a League One side. They look a mid mid table League One side to me at the moment, Barnsley. Um, and Town are just very professional again. Went and got the second, press home their advantage. Did exactly what they were supposed to do, really. I think calling someone a sniffer just sounds so uncouth. Just, just a bit unpleasant, isn't it? I oh, look at that, that guy's a right sniffer. Um, but um, no, you're absolutely right about the game. I think I really expected. I did the warm up show for uh, for Andy takes that chance, and I said on there I thought it was either going to be quite a tight game with one goal in it. Uh, or Town were going to get two early goals and then go on and make it sort of three four, and it turned out to be that the more of the tight one, which I mean it was to me it was a two nil in all but the actual yeah. scoreline really a bit like the reverse of that Middlesbrough game back in, do you know, in November. Do you know I'm not saying we finish each other's sandwiches, but I was uh, literally just about to say that mate. It was that that exact performance of being two nil up and just keeping Town were basically kept at arm's length for. 93 minutes or whatever it was and just pinch one right at the end that's exactly what this felt like so yeah yeah, yeah. and you know I, th- I thought they would I read but yeah I expected a lot more fight out of Barnsley than what we got considering that this was sort of the must win to have any chance of staying up if you don't win your definitely relegated game and yeah all right even if they'd won this that would have applied to all of the rest of their games but I don't know I just expected them to have a little bit more of something about them but you can see that they you know, you can see their issue isn't so much defensively, it's they just have absolutely nothing in attack. But the second goal, the second towel goal just before the break, absolutely killed it off. If there was going to be any response after after the break, then Toffolo's goal completely killed off any chance of that. But it was a really nice move up that right wing mm. by by town. Went through a variety of different players. It started as sort of playing out from the back and then ended up with I think it was Sinani and Holmes mostly, with a bit of help from from Ollie Turton, just sort of advancing, then retreating, advancing, then retreating, until eventually Sinani got that little bit of space to pick out a cross, and Toffolo was completely unmarked, the unmarked man over. And I wrote a piece yesterday, which, to be honest, I kind of struggled to think of what the point of it was, because it was basically why has Harry Toffolo suddenly started scoring goals now and I, and I struggled with this piece for ages just like what what is it is it just is it just a random statistical thing and then I sort of realized that the the two goals he scored from open play were both goals where Sorba Thomas has not been playing on the right wing so the one he got against QPR Sorba was playing at center forward this one obviously he wasn't playing at all and I think there's don't get me wrong there's no question Huddersfield Town are a worse side without Sorba Thomas in the side longer term um, but I think there's an argument that neither of those goals happen if Silva Thomas is on the pitch because it was just a different kind of build-up and a different kind of goal from town. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, and I think like it was a good ball from Sonani. I don't think he was looking mm. to necessarily pick Toff's run out. He was just picking the space, I think. And it was good to see a runner coming into the space for that exact reason. Um, but I, we... I've lost count of the amount of times we've said that Town tend to score the same goals all the time. And what's been quite nice over the last few games has been that they have worked the ball a little bit differently and had different angles of attack and scored a couple of goals that we're not used to seeing. And I 
I think it's actually reflected in Jordan Rhodes getting a couple as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it's in the absence of Danny Ward, it's it's vital that they have these things as a backup. We're hoping Danny Ward is going to be back and firing on all cylinders for the playoffs, obviously. But it's it's very handy to have a different shape to your attack when you need it, isn't it? Yeah, I think you and I would have had serious, serious reservations about Town's ability to keep scoring goals without players like Danny Ward mm. and, and Zorba Thomas in the side. You know, they're, they're such, they've been such, you know, it's the top assister and the top goal scorer uh, for a start and, and both of them by quite some way. But they, they, as you say, it's different angles and yeah, all right, it's Barnsley. But then, you know, they've also had those wins against... Luton and, and Middlesbrough where they've they've missed various different personnel let's not forget they've missed Mighty Pearson Levi Colwell as well and you know we talked last month about the how few players Carlos Corbran had used sort of throughout the month of March he, he didn't rotate his side quite so much he, he used 12 different outfielders in March he's already used I say already, we've got one more game left. He's used 15 <laughs> outfielders in April from the start. And if you include those from the bench, he's used 19 outfielders this month, which is uh, more than any other month except December. And you look at the results they've got and you think that variety is actually doing them a lot of favours um, and has had to because of the injuries they've had. Yeah, absolutely. Um <sighs> I think they, they've got a, a chance as well to lean into potentially a couple more changes before the end of the season now that the playoffs are done and dusted. Um, and yeah, it's we keep saying it and I feel like we say the same things quite a lot this season, but again, it's just another marker of how far on that squad is, isn't it, compared to this time last year when they were having to rotate because of the amount of injuries they were racked up, but the people they were bringing in were just of nowhere near the same quality as they are doing now. And the thing is, you can put a Josh Ruffles on in place of a Harry Toffolo to give Toffolo a rest, and you barely notice a difference. And that's not just because they look really, really similar. <laughs> I think uh, Josh Ruffles looks a little bit like... Um... Uh, Scooby Doo. You, you know my theory on this Huddersfield Town team that they're all just variants on Harry Toffolo. Yeah, yeah. So Lewis O'Brien is just Ginger Toffolo. Lee Nichols is goalkeeper Toffolo. Danel Sanani is Luxembourgish Toffolo. Sanani and Toffolo are the two who, like, when you see them in the ground, particularly here at sort of a, a far remove, who look very, very similar. Particularly because they're both sort of left-footed, similar size, similar haircut, similar facial hair. Yeah, everything. But no, I mean, you're right. They they can they can bring different personnel in and and get get the results. They did concede that late goal. I think that's a shame because there were some people saying, "Oh, look at the passion on Lee Nichols. He's he's gutted that he's conceded that." And I wonder if he had read <laughs> the piece mm-hmm. I'd done about the the record, the clean sheet record. Because if he'd kept clean sheets all the way through to the end of the season, he could have equaled the record. Unfortunately, he can't now unless you count the playoffs, and that feels like a bit of a cheat. But um, yeah, I mean. There is a bit of an issue with town at the moment. We touched on it last week, and particularly with John Russell, in truth, not picking up runners on yeah. the edge of the box. Yeah. And again, when you look at that goal, he is probably the man who you think he's yours to step out to. And he's just, he stands in an area rather than looking at what the runners are. And, you know, we don't want to put, pick on the poor lad. <laughs> 
but there's been several several goals over the past few weeks where where that's been an issue and it was the yeah, the, the QPR one was the, I think the worst one where literally not only did he just run into an area but at no point did he just turn his head even slightly left <laughs> to see mm. there was a man just jogging into space on the edge of the area but it is a little we're trying to throw forward a bit now to the playoffs because effectively town haven't got any competitive football now for a couple of weeks and they need to just be wary of that because obviously you're going to play whoever you get in those playoffs. You're going to play a good side and these are things that analysts pick up on, aren't they? Yeah, and I'm not going to get angry at Town for conceding in the 97 minute of a game where they're 2-0 up and that's their top six uh, finish absolutely mathematically secured. But as you say, it is those fine details. We've seen him do it multiple times against Millwall and Bournemouth as well. Uh, as you mentioned, the QPR one, the, the chair goal, the second equaliser, and then this one as well. It's it is just that little bit of awareness, that little bit of being switched on, and and I think Town, you know, defend very well by keeping their shape well. But there are times when you get runners into those areas where you need to be a little bit more alert to the individual threat, and and perhaps they're not being as much as they could be. And you know, if Barnsley can do it to you, then yeah. Nottingham Forest. Or Luton yeah. or whoever certainly can. So, yeah, something to keep an eye on. Yeah, but I think that's pretty much the game wrapped up, really, because I just don't think Honestly. there's there's much more to say about it. I think it's it's quite difficult because we have to do a podcast on it, but it's quite nice that one of the things we've moaned about consistently for a couple of years is town not doing thoroughly professional 2-0 home wins etc I know this was 2-1 I'm not saying that but you know now they are it's great to see really although it doesn't make our job particularly easy (laughs) it's just well I think it's just because I mean I think if we'd done this podcast closer to the time and we've not been able to because I've been I've been unwell um so apologies for that but um then maybe we'd be a bit more enthusiastic because yeah they have got that top six finish we'd, we'd been saying you know you'd been saying for two weeks and i said last week it's it's in the bag now it's you know it's there but you know we do need to congratulate them on that to be fair uh you know we saw that they had a couple of beers in the the dressing room afterwards dean hoyle was there waiting at the tunnel to congratulate them all carlos even brought out his his little boy to wave hello to the john smith stadium which was was lovely uh my wife was was very very impressed by that but um yeah, it was. Uh, it felt like a real end of term feeling on on, fr- and I think probably the fact it was a Friday night probably helped that. <laughs> the difficulty we have now is there are still two more games to go, uh, and we're recording this on Tuesday. Obviously, there's the midweek games to come, which Forest and and Bournemouth are going to be involved in. I think unless there's something uh, unlikely happens in those games, second is going to be beyond town still. Uh, and the reason we're not we're sort of so firmly focused on playoffs is because I think we do need those weird results to to happen before we really start talking about it. But um, it does look like playoffs for town, and it's not feet up while they've got the 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 even the faintest possibility of of coming second. But at the same time, that did feel a bit. As I say, end of term, job done, didn't it, on Friday? Yeah, bring a tie in from home. You're allowed to either play with it or watch a video. It did It did feel like that, yeah. But What video did you watch at, at your school? Oh, t- You're a bit older than I, I tell you so. this. I tell you this, right? I, I'm, this is going slightly off subject, admittedly. But 
I went to Rastrick High School, and anybody else who went could probably confirm this in my year. I remember very early at Rastrick High School, we watched Threads in one class. <laughs> and let me tell you, scarred, scarred is not the word. Um, but I, I watched that for the first time like two years ago, and it like I knew its reputation, and even going in as a man in his thirties, knowing its reputation, it still upset me. <laughs> yeah, we we watched it, and we had to do some work on it. And it was like, Mum, is it all right if I start building a shelter in the back garden, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, maybe Reese Dinsdale's listening, so you can uh, send a message to him. Thanks for the memories, Reese. Yeah. A lovely uh, man. Dumb and, yeah, yeah, he is. Um, dumb and Dumber, was seen, I, I seem to recall, was, was a favourite in my school. Anyway, what do you reckon Town watched? Because they're all a bit younger than us. I Flubber. But no, it is job done, and you know, congratulations to them for for getting it done so early in in the season as well. You know, getting it done two games from time, I think is uh, is phenomenal work. You know, I think probably even a couple of months ago we would have said we expected it to be tight. We expected it to go to the end of the season. Probably even coming into out of this international break, we would have said we expect it to be tight mm. and it could go through to the end of the season. So to do it with with two games to go. I think sort of speaks volumes of, of how far China come along. They, it's impossible now for them to hit the magic number 81. Uh, Roger Pashby pointed out to me that the, the times they've gone up previously, it's always been 81 points, uh, which they can't do now because you can't get five points from two games. But, um, I mean, it is looking to the playoffs now, isn't it? And we talked last week yeah. about how we would approach these two games, so we won't have that, that conversation again. But, to be honest, if they go and lose both these games sort of 2-0 I'm really not going to be that bothered no well it depends on the nature if they if they rotate a little bit to rest a couple of people which as I said Mm. if you want to hear our views on whether you'd rotate or not go back and listen to last week's our feeling is that we would rotate a little bit but not so much as to completely disrupt the rhythm of of the side I think if they do rotate a little bit and there's a little bit of self-preservation going on, you know, like the friendlies you see before the World Cup uh, when it's in mm. the summer and not an absolutely mental time of year, uh, and, and everybody's just sort of nobody's tackling each other. It feels like a little bit like that because nobody's going to want to go and put themselves out for the playoffs. There is a slight incentive, though, I think, in that. Finishing in in a slot to give yourself the home tie first, I think, uh, mm-hmm. to give yourself the home off. tie in second, sorry, yeah. um, I think is important. So you want to just keep your foot on the gas a little bit for that. You don't want to suddenly, <laughs> you don't want to suddenly get there and then go into it after two defeats. So there there is that, but yeah, it it's difficult because it's almost. <laughs> It's almost like we've got to work on a couple of pre-season friendlies <laughs> and do full <laughs> yeah. coverage and full analysis on a couple of pre-season friendlies, which people will have heard mine and yours views on pre-season friendlies before and what you can actually glean from them. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to do the commentary game with you on Saturday and we'll we'll see what they what they put together it's it's the commentary away does feel like a little bit of a test so they can at least yeah. approach it properly but the bristol game at hull uh, at home sorry <laughs> they're playing at hull <laughs> the bristol game at home is very difficult i think to sort of rouse yourself in 
<laughs> rouse yourself for when you know the playoff is mm. coming up later in the in the week, really. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's about fair. I mean, it's the first first trip to the Rico for Huddersfield Town, so I believe the uh, they've had to request the extra away tickets for that game. I think everyone's going along to sort of celebrate and party time. And visit. Yeah, give a bit of stick to Mark Robbins for mm. no particular reason. Um, <laughs> I I still have I've got a cough supporting mate who still hasn't forgiven him for leaving to go to town and he obviously went back since then she still haven't forgiven him so um no i mean they are coventry are if you were doing the to use your world cup analogy coventry probably would be he who you picked the sort of the team that hasn't qualified who are still quite good and are going to give you a a decent game and sort of be a bit similar to the teams that are in there they always remind me a little bit of um of luton and not quite as good version mm-hmm. of luton except uh, in it, the way that Except if it was a World Cup, you would just pick them because they were geographically near. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, we're playing Spain in the group stage. We'd better play Portugal in a friendly, as if there's (laughs) any relationship between them. Um, But, I mean, this is sort of the storyline now, I guess, a town is who are they going to get in the playoffs if it is the playoffs as it looks like. And, you know, things sort of stay as they are. It would be Sheffield United, but... You, I mean, obviously, Forest have got those those games in hand. They'll be looking to overtakes. So then it could be Luton, but then you don't know if things. You know, it could be anyone, really. I mean, it, it, it almost could be it. the one that I think seems quite unlikely is Town Forest. But um, I mean, would you have? Are there any other teams that you would particularly prefer or not prefer for Town to play? You were a Town fan. No, I I think if you're going to go up via the playoffs, you have to earn it. So I think if you're yeah, if you're if you're sort of picking and choosing who you're playing, I think that's the wrong way to look at it. I think Town have got themselves in this position over a season for a reason. Nobody will mm. want to particularly face them, just as Town won't particularly want to face any of the other three. It's this is what the playoffs are. It's four really good sides going head to head, isn't it? So yeah. I think. Forest, there's obviously a little added, um, there's a little added extra in there because the it would fair to say that the Forest and Town fans are uh, no longer friends, no longer BFFs. Um, I've written a piece about that today. If you're interested in that, um, Luton is difficult because they're a good side, and what they tend to be is what Town were in the playoffs in sixteen seventeen, mm-hmm. which is just incredibly well organised and difficult to break down. Town do have the advantage of a win over them in recent history, but if you if you look back, results in the season tend to go out the window when it comes to the playoffs. Yeah, um, there's there's very little correlation, and then Sheffield United have underperformed this season. Sheffield United should be competing with Bournemouth for me for that second spot, and should have been for months. So they're a dangerous side as well. You look through their squad and you look through their first eleven, and you think, Hell's teeth, how are they? you know, struggling to secure sixth. And it's, I don't think you can rule out Blackburn either. We're talking the day after the 4-1 win at Preston. I think Millwall, I can't really see it. And I I know Middlesbrough have got a game in hand, so they could go to 67 points, I think it is, which is a point ahead of Blackburn. Mm -hmm. But I think it would be a surprise at this point if the four sides that are in there weren't 
locked in if i'm if i'm honest yeah agreed and i i feel like the the one that i if i were town just knowing what we know about them is the i think i mentioned it last week but it's the performances after long away trips haven't been Mm. great and with the schedule being i I think if they came fourth and fifth they would then play luton away on the saturday and then home on the tuesday yeah and actually i think being at home second probably would not do them a favor in that instance Mm. uh it's just that that little bit of a longer trip um than than the other two but as you say it's such a lottery it's such a crapshoot you know we know that form goes out the window results earlier in the season go out the window yeah there is there is what i think before just before we move on though there is another wild card as well and that's Bournemouth. <laughs> Bournemouth because yeah. they're they're rocking a little bit and the prob- I think the big problem for Bournemouth is that they have to play Forest um, yeah. and if if Bournemouth dropped in again whilst I think you can't really pick and choose who you want for exactly the reasons you've just described it's like uh, you town don't want to be a position where they drop down and they end up having to go to Bournemouth they really don't mm. just because it's it's just a dog of a trip and it's just a dog of a, a game to play twice in four days isn't it yeah yeah so avoid sixth mm. <laughs> on that basis but no I mean they, they can't be they can't go to sixth anyway no. uh, I think I'm right in saying so I think they should be all right on that front but off the pitch we've had some news today as well shortly before we, we've come on the air uh, so Dean Hoyle's put out an update just saying that the takeover is still sort of in the works. It's taking longer than than they expected. There's still a bit more red tape than they thought. But I think that's sort of a continuation of the update that they gave to the ATT last month. So as we said then, I think it's there's no sort of cause for alarm there. He's still he's already in there as 25% owner um, and is funding the club. I think that sort of materially on a day-to-day basis it's not making a huge if any difference to Huddersfield Town but that's still in the works he's also announced that they will not be hiring uh, a chief executive in the immediate future and he will be Dean Hoyle will be staying in the post so he he had uh, had been named as interim chief exec just before the turn of the new year and I believe he is just now chief exec sort of longer term and, and will remain so uh, and while they were giving that update they were also talked about the season tickets they've said probably not hugely surprisingly that they've sold about twice as many uh, at this point as they had at this sort of point in the the sales process last year so they're selling very well they have said you know that they've the the once they hit the deadline they're not entirely sure what they're going to do with it yet but it's likely to be sort of significant price increases if they don't pull them off sale altogether so you've got until friday the 6th of may to get that sorted if you want to get it sorted but what do you make of of the takeover news the chief exec news dave um well the first thing is one of the big pieces of news is that two of those season tickets are to uh penny's dad and my daughter who will be a season ticket holder next year at Huddersfield Town? Um, I think it, the chief exec thing is a, is what I think is the interesting thing. I think the mm. like the legal side of it, and the the I don't think anybody really needs to know anything more than what's been said. These things do take time. There is red tape. It's never easy. 
when it happens, it will happen. But it, it, it genuinely, we know from inside and out, it, it is making absolutely zero difference in the club. So nobody needs to worry about that side of things. But I listen. We're an independent podcast, so we can say what we want. The the chief exec thing I think is interesting because I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to have another voice in the chain of command at that point, you know, high up, um, to help out with with certain areas and uh, not even really be a, a sounding board, but at, at some you know at some points be uh, be somebody who could, you can even disagree with a little bit. It's I think that that can help sometimes. Dean Hoyle clearly feels he's capable of wearing a couple of hats, um, and that's absolutely fine and that's his it's his train set ultimately so he can be controller and train driver and he can take the tickets he can do whatever he wants um but i do wonder longer term if it that does represent a couple of things for a start obviously one of the big things we knew mark devlin was working hard on was was around stadium and future plans around the stadium i think it's probably a signifier that that goes slightly on the back burner for a little bit we don't which I, they've, they've said yeah yeah Dean, Dean has said he doesn't think it's in the club's best interest no the deal so that, that Phil had been working on so I think all of that side of things has basically come to a come to a dead stop so yeah I I think it's interesting I think it, it, to be a sort of I don't want to say the words a top 30 club longer term because that was the the uh, it was a phrase that Phil used that got held against him at one point. But I think to be a top thirty club longer term, I think you do need someone working with and helping Dean Hoyle a little bit in that role, maybe. But that's just my opinion. You know, Dean obviously feels he can do it himself. So yeah, um, that I, w- I I I think the top thirty thing. I would be surprised if Hoyle was keeping that as the club's sort of mission statement. To be honest. Because I think he is much more along the lines of why why limit yourself to thirty, mm. you know, when you could be fifteen <laughs> or ten or, you know, yeah. and and I think that's sort of that's always his mentality on things, and I think I wouldn't be that surprised if in the longer term you did, as you say, got more advisors on there they don't necessarily have to be the chief exec it could be a non-exec director could be you know well this is it another way to get though another way to get those voices is to instead of put full-time positions in place is to expand the board so you have got some i i just think sometimes it's good to have some differing perspectives on some of the bigger decisions that's that's my thing and that that may well come in time when the takeover is done but i the impression I get around Dean Hoyle is that having run the club before and run them as a as a League One club, run them as a club that was in the championship and sitting in that bottom half, sort of finishing that around that sort of seventeenth, eighteenth, nineteenth every year, and then gone to the Premier League, is that he now knows what sort of what good looks like mm-hmm. and he's sort of not willing to settle for less than that now so if he feels he has a clear image of what it looks like and he feels that there's things at the club that aren't at that level or need to a little bit of help to move towards that level or whatever it might be then why does he need someone else to tell him what he already knows and the direction that he's already moving in so yeah i can see why for the time being he would be quite happy to to 
as you say, wear that chief exec hat and sort of run it himself and get it into to where he wants it to be. And then if he then reaches a point where he feels like he's done everything he can do and put his you know and and shaped everything in the way that he wants it to be shaped and there's still things that need addressing that's when you can ask someone else to to come in i suppose yeah yeah i mean i mean we'll see it's at the moment they're a very competently run football club from top to bottom and long may that continue um it is what it is for the moment it's more I don't like. I don't want to use the word easy because I don't think that's right. But at the moment, things are easier because there's success and there is a framework in place that is working. It's it's yeah. when you have to evolve that a bit, when you have to move on, when the next phase comes, when I don't know, like somebody comes in for Carlos Corbran and he gets an offer he can't refuse, or. Lee Bromby leaves and you have to replace him, and you it's it's when you have to. You have to the structure you've got. You have to look at that and say, okay, how do we maintain this with different people and various other things? That's that's when I think sometimes it can be good to have some different voices and some different advice and some different viewpoints. But at the moment, I, I think really more than anything else, it just represents what a good place the club is currently in. You know, what a, what a healthy position they're in that Dean can do all these roles for the minute. Um, and it's 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 a significant thing, I think. It's a significant sign of of the the actual day to day health right now. Yeah, I mean, he's in this update. He does go out of his way to thank uh, and praise. I must praise everyone who's been involved in getting us to the point before my return, from Phil Hodgkinson to Lee Bromby, Carlos Corbran, and all the fantastic members of our staff. We all know that f- we all know from experience that everything must be perfectly aligned to bring success to Huddersfield Town, and that's exactly how it feels. Clearly, the players are integral to everything. I can tell you from first-hand experience that they really want this. There's a great togetherness about them. Whatever happens between now and the season's end, they can never be accused of lacking desire. So, yeah, he's as you say, things are in a, a good place at the moment, and you know it could be that for the time being, there just isn't. You know, things are going well. Why? go out of your way and, and, you know, make appointments with bold new ideas when what you're already doing is actually working pretty well. So, yeah, that's where we are with that. We've also had the news that Lee Nichols has been named in the championship team of the season. It's almost entirely, well, it is entirely otherwise made up of Nottingham Forest, Fulham and Bournemouth players, but with there's no one manager. else really. And Luton's manager. Uh, so no ping pong for the team of the season. Uh, but um, no, uh, there's no one else it really could have been but Lee Nichols, is the Dave? No, I, we ran out of ways to write that he was good a while back, didn't we, Steve? If you want a glimpse behind the curtain. His stats are through the roof and they've been completely consistent. Everything you look at XG-wise and, and shot-wise just further reinforces the position that he's a really good goalkeeper. He's, I think it's, I think it's incredible... That town are where they are, and that he's faced the amount of shots he has because he's he's only faced a few less than Barnsley's keeper, who are rock bottom. So that gives you an idea of how dependable he is. Um, and yeah, he's just he's just absolutely brilliant. But I think town fans were more, or certainly a few town fans on my Twitter feed and in my Twitter sphere were slightly miffed that there was no Lewis O'Brien, no Sorba Thomas and no Carlos Corbran managing the side. So I think it's worth discussing that. I think with Lewis it's quite simple. He just doesn't get enough goals and assists. 
Yeah, I think if you were looking at who to vote for, the first thing you or I would do is go and look on who scored and look at the stats, wouldn't you? Mm. And unfortunately, you know, for your goals and assists, Lewis O'Brien just doesn't show up anywhere near. I think on that measure, it probably is a little bit surprising that Sorba Thomas isn't in the team, but then Brennan Johnson isn't either. The the competition for that, for the sort of Sorba Thomas role in the side, when you're voting for it or when you're picking it, is... Probably probably stronger than any other position, if I'm honest. So and I, they ended I up with a wingless system in the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so. I, I, I kind of get that. And the other thing is, Sorba's like, let's be honest. People do look at the stats, and a lot of people will look at Sorba stats and wrongly, in my opinion. But they'll slightly devalue them because of the amount of set piece assists there are. Now, to me and you, that's absolute nonsense because it's like saying, well, set mm. pieces and are a less valid part of the game. They're not. They're an incredibly valid part of the game. And a goal from a set piece means just as much as a goal from open play. But in some people's minds who vote for these sort of things, mm. that's probably counted against Sorba. Yeah. And <laughs> my favourite one was because I posted the, the picture of the team of the season when it came out and I had a Bristol City fan. <laughs> retweeted it saying have people forgotten that Andy Wyman exists <laughs> it's like no one is calling for Andy like he, I know he scored 20 goals but are you seriously suggesting he should be in there ahead of Dominic Solanke and Alexander Mitrovic behave so there's a bit of you know anytime a, an England team comes out it's yes that that player from your club should be in the England team mm-hmm. I think it's a, a little bit like that but yeah you you would like to think that Sorber and, and Lewis in particular not to mention likes of Tom Lees, Matty Pearson, Levi Colwell were I th- I not think, a million miles away yeah, from it. But. I think Town have got, I think most of Town's recognised first and ever. And I think you're looking at, will probably have been in the top seven or eight in most positions on that pitch comfortably. Most of them yeah. potentially in the top five. But the thing is, the way the people that vote for these and the way they're done, it's always the showpiece names and the showpiece stats. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have Harry Wilson in there. Not that I don't think he's been good this season, but he's he's been a bit of a passenger in some games and he's also been allowed to play with a top hat on in others. It's it's not like he's under constant bombardment every week and he's being marked really, really tightly and he's just a wonderful player who no one can control. He's just a really good player but playing in a really good side with a striker on £100,000 a week to finish all the chances that he creates. So I wouldn't have had Harry Wilson in there but the fact is that the people who... Where these things are always comes down to names and showpiece stats. Mm. That's the reality. Um, so it is what it is, really. It is what it is. And all but, the more impressive that Lee Nichols should get in in those circumstances. Yeah, I think. but I, th- I think the, the 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 case you can make is Carlos Corbran, I think, should be there over Nathan Jones on a couple of different levels because Luton's recruitment has been good for a few seasons and going into this season if you go back and look at the betting odds whilst they weren't being back to go up or be in the playoffs Luton weren't being back to go down in the way that Huddersfield Town were that's that's the thing Corbyn has done this and Town didn't spend a transfer fee did they? It's. No. I think if you look at the sort of narrative arc of the managers over the season, I think Carlos Corbran mm. really should be managing that side. I've got no issue with Thomas O'Brien not being there and others not being there, but I I do... Uh, Nathan Jones is brilliant. I think there's probably only a cigarette paper between them, but 
Yeah, I think I think Corbin probably should be the manager of the year at this yeah. point. Yeah. Well, I mean, Luton finished 15 points outside the playoffs last year. They were 12th, mm. so they've made up a lot of ground. But Huddersfield Town finished 20th and were 28 points outside the playoffs. So, yeah, there, there's your difference, I think. Plus, as I say, Carlos Corbran, to the best of my knowledge, has never set fire to a table tennis table, <laughs> which, for me makes him the, the the preferable manager yeah so. and you you people need to understand that nathan jones is very very likely the next brighton manager so i am i keep <laughs> i keep quite a close eye on his career it would be fair to say but even i'm sitting here and saying i can't really make the case ahead of carlos Corbran and I, and, I, and i can't i genuinely can't I do think Nathan Jones has done a wonderful job. <laughs> That's the thing. I I don't really want to denigrate him to the point of oh he's been absolutely rubbish compared to Corbyn, but I think the job that Corbyn has done from really literally the day after the end of last season has been pretty phenomenal, really. Yeah. The thing I really remember about Nathan Jones is that match he had against the Undertaker, where he was tagging with A Train at WrestleMania. Uh, what was that? Nineteen. But anyway, or is it eighteen? I remember the thing I remember about Nathan Jones is that he's been gone too long. <laughs> Brilliant, Dave. We are really grasping at straws here. Do yes. we? Do we want to finish the show? Yes. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Anything Bye. else to add, Steve? Uh, yeah, just that uh, Nathan Jones, of course, was not involved in the match against the Undertaker. It was uh, Big Show and A Train versus the Undertaker, uh, and Nathan Jones ran in to make a save, having originally been posited as Undertaker's tag team partner. For- Okay, and I want to add that Don't Scandalise Mine by Sugar Bear is just an absolute all-timer. Great. We'll see you next time. Sorry for the slight delirium on this episode. Goodbye.